Welcome to CQ Blind Hams, your source for everything amateur-related, tutorials, radio reviews, and so much more. Come on in and stay a while. Welcome, everybody, to CQ Blind Hams Roundtable. My name is Joel W0CAS, and we have Russ, our co-host. Thanks a lot. This is Russ, KN4MLR from Louisville, Kentucky. And today on the show, we have... Uh, uh, John Farina and uh, Sam Birnbaum that uh, has worked with the uh, Q-Log program and the Q-Log beta testers. Uh, good morning, John. Morning, Russ. Um, I'm John W2QCY from Albany, New York. Good morning, uh, Joel. Uh, my name is Sam uh, W2JDB. I'm in the Oceanside, uh, New York. All right, guys. Welcome. Well, we'll start off a little bit. Uh, uh, John, what, uh, what is some of your, I know you told me earlier that you've been a ham for 50 years. Wow. How did you get started in the hobby? And uh, uh, maybe give us a little uh, insight into your uh, career as a ham. Sure. Um, I'm from Albany, New York. I grew up in a small town north of here and uh, moved here after getting married, but my ham radio career started like many people, not everybody, but many people back in, uh, in our day started in high school um, and started after a few years of, uh, of citizen band radio. Uh, and that was, that was pretty cool. Uh, but uh, then I, I usually say that a, <clears throat> a friend, pardon me, a friend of mine got a general coverage receiver and I started listening to hams. Um, and I got, he got the receiver and I got the ham license. And then I don't know, 20 years, <laughs> 20 years or, or so later, he got his ham license. So, uh, but I was licensed as a novice, my senior year of high school, passed the general between high school and college. And, uh, we we're talking earlier, I've been fortunate to be active in some level um, continue continuously. I know that doesn't always happen for folks, uh, for, you know, for various reasons, but, um, but I've enjoyed doing, uh, sideband CW active with our local, um, Aries and races, uh, groups been active with several amateur radio clubs that I continue that activity with and been NCS on, uh, HF and VHF nets did some, Stints in the Mars program is until the digital stuff became too uh, difficult, too inaccessible. <clears throat> and uh, uh, now, <clears throat> excuse me, now do uh, a combination of FT8 and uh, CW and a little bit of sideband and, of course, the local VHF uh, and HF uh, stuff. And that's that's kind of my, uh, my over-the-year stuff I've... I've taught a little bit in classes, uh, usually CW and usually rules and regulations. I'm not an electronics person. My careers have been social work and assistive tech instruction for folks who are blind or visually impaired. So um, I don't know how to f open up the stuff and fix it, but I usually know, I usually know when it's broken. <laughs> yeah, and I seem to be the one doing most of the breaking here lately. Uh, okay, Sam, that, that's a fascinating, uh, John. Sam, uh, a little bit about your uh, radio career uh, uh, and maybe some of your work history. Or you know, I, I did listen to Eric Goose's uh, interview with you on the uh, the uh, QSO show, and that was very fascinating. And uh, uh, for the ones that didn't get chance to listen to that uh, you want to give us a little history of your uh, radio career well the uh the radio career actually uh, i'll try to keep it uh, a little short i was a big shortwave listener uh early on when i was 15 16 years old i, I built three shortwave radios and then everything stopped i did pick up the cb band uh the cb radio in my uh early 20s late mid 20s uh when i was married but uh, that was the end of it. The reason wa was because I was never able to copy code. It just didn't come to me. I tried. I bought a, a key, uh, or I should say a key. I bought the records. 
the whole bit, and as hard as I could, I could never, could never get CW. So I dropped the whole thing. 2014, I found out that uh, the FCC uh, did away with the code requirement. I found a local club. I went there, met the guys. Uh, three months later, I took the three tests in a single day. I went from, uh, the, I guess, technician to a general and extra uh, in 55 minutes. And uh, then I bought a radio. About a month later, I bought a radio, put up an antenna, uh, and I started going on the air. Uh, FDA came out, I think, 2017, if I'm not mistaken. And since I was a developer, a software developer, I wrote my own logging program for different, different reasons. And when FDA came out, I uh, updated my program to uh, connect to WHATX. And somewhere around 2000, uh, end of 2018, uh, Rich K1HTV sent out an email, can someone do something for visually impaired hands with FDA? I volunteered. And here we are today with q There you go. Oh, we appreciate all your hard work, too. Uh, Russ, do you have any questions for uh, John or Sam? Um, I just... Uh... Not really. <laughs> Honestly, I was just going to let them kind of run with it. Uh, I, I had all the questions I had about uh, Q-Log, I pretty well solved in the last few days. And that, uh, I have to say, it is a great program. Uh, so, uh, Sam, congratulations on your efforts. But, no, I'll just uh, let you guys run with it and uh, see where we go from there. Okay, I, I have a just one, uh, just for the new people that's, that's never did FT8, uh, which is part of the WSJTX software package uh, created by, or instrumental by Joe Taylor. Uh, uh, Sam, would you like to tell a little bit about FT8 and, and what it does and, and uh, what you can do with it? Well, FT8 is a, di is a digital mode. It's an incredible piece of software that a whole group of people put together over there. It's Joe, uh, Bill, uh, quite a few uh, people on the development team. But it's a phenomenal piece of software that allows you to make contacts uh, under conditions that normally you would not be able to. I'll put it as simply as possible. It is a short, uh, very, very fast messaging system. Uh, there's 15-second cycles. Uh, between transmit and receive. Uh, you do have to synchronize yourself to the internet time or clock because it depends on uh, timing to in order to decode the message. But, it, I, you know, whatever they did is just an incredible, incredible piece of software that they put together. Uh, FT8, not only FT8, but the new other mode, FT4, which actually speeds up the transmissions to a seven and a half second cycle time. Uh, I, I can't say more, and I can't give them more, enough credit for what they have done under these propagation conditions because a lot of people wouldn't even be turning on their radios under these kind of conditions where they wouldn't be able to make contacts. It's just incredible how this thing took uh, the ham radio community by, uh, by a storm. It was just unbelievable, the take-up of it. And obviously, once it, the, it took, it, the FDA first came out, people asked for more, and it just grew. So now they have various contests that are now being able to be used, uh, this program used. And uh, it's just incredible. Uh, I, I don't know how to, how to best describe it. There's just any words that I can describe the phenomenal job that Joe Taylor and his team put together to come up with this product. Yeah, Joe is, is a genius in himself. He's a, he's a Nobel uh, laureate, uh, physicist. And it's amazing that uh, his ability. He, there's other pieces of software in that package, uh, JT65, JT9, Whisper. <clears throat> it's just a, it's just a great piece of software in total. And uh, did he did he design that for Moon Bounce as his primary uh, reason for designing that program? Was that what I is that correct or do you know? As far as I know, they designed it, and the reason why it's called WS. Uh, and JT is uh, obviously Joe Taylor, uh, but uh, there are other gentlemen which I don't want to take away from is Bill Somerville uh, from England, uh, another another great guy, uh, was helped me uh, when I had questions, and he helps a lot of people when they have questions. Uh, 
uh, when I, they designed this thing for weak signal propagation, that was the real emphasis, uh, impetus behind it. They wanted to get, be able to uh, uh, read signals on the weak signals. And, and that's the reason for the WS. It's not low power, it's weak signals. Uh, you can generate, uh, you know, can use 1500 watts and so some station somewhere, that's a weak signal. You can use 10 watts and some station, that's an S9 signal. So it, it, it's not, not the power, but the actual signal strength and how, low, how far below the noise level can they decode those signals. Uh, and, I, and I think that was the original impetus. It just grew from there. It's like once you do something, they can say, well, can we use this thing for something else? And you will see uh, clones or other things being developed from it, like JS8 Call, which is another one. When I first saw this thing, the thing that I saw that an immediate uh, possibility is for emergency communications under conditions that you normally couldn't communicate. Exactly. A JS8 and, Call and, is a good, a good mode to do that with because you actually can and, top out messages and send it to Exactly. Even, even, if you, even if you're not necessarily communicating with one particular person, you can send out messages, even if it's a, on 15-second cycles, or having a dual, dual system where one transmitter or one rig is transmitting on even and one rig is transmitting on odd. And if effectively, you can have through that continuous output of data going out and putting out messages in, in free text form to get stuff out for either needed material or emergency communications or just health and welfare. It, it's a phenomenal piece of, of software that cannot just be used for quote-unquote ham communication to get QSOs and fill the log, but for other purposes, it can repurpose it for other things, which is incredible. It is. And John, how long have you been, uh, been uh, using the Q-Log and FT8? Well, like, a, <clears throat> there we go. Like uh, a lot of, several people I know, um, I started out trying to get FT8 going with uh, either JAWS or NVDA screen readers. And uh, just before Sam and Rich, uh, you know, I was contacted or found out about the possibility of being a beta tester. I had worked WSJTX a little bit, but you could only at that point call CQ and you didn't know who you worked until you looked at the log file because there was no feedback. The none of, Well, you sort of knew with NVDA um, a little bit. JAWS gave you nothing or almost nothing. Um, and uh, so I jumped at the chance to uh, make something, look at something that might make it easier for folks. Because I, I will say that getting WSJTX up and running for uh, someone who's visually impaired, uh, it took a buddy of mine two two trips here to get it going, or maybe one trip here and one phone call where we we each checked the boxes that we had going. He had already he was. A, sighted guy as a sighted guy and and uh we tried to parallel what he had checked and you know we got it going and it was it was interesting but once uh Q-Log was unveiled and we got a chance to to drive it and and help you know each other and sam figure out what could be done uh i've worked places that as a 50-year ham, I'm not sure I remember working it at DX stations that that I have worked, you know, now. Um, it's it's pretty, you know, it's pretty cool. So to be in on it and to see what's been done over the two years. So probably 20, as Sam said, 2017, I was probably doing it not long before um, the beta test, you know, group was uh, was formed, and, and I would say that for anybody who's going to, who's interested, we'll give you some group contact information at some point here, um, or maybe it'll be in the show notes, but um, or both. But you really, I, I can't say more that you probably want the assistance of somebody who is cited to make sure that WSJTX is working before you introduce 
Q-log just because then you only have, if you have an issue, you know that the issue is something to do with settings for uh, for Q-log that maybe you, you know, maybe you missed, maybe you checked the wrong box, maybe, you know, maybe there's, I know Russ had a, we were talking earlier, he had a problem with a, with his radio not doing something. And that was, you know, that's, he eliminated the, the trouble by knowing that one part was working. So um, it's a troubleshooting process sometimes. And if you can, you know, one part of it is already working, it's, you know, it's a lot simpler. And obviously as beta testers and users, we can help people get going, but, but we, um, we can remote into your computer if you have a screen a screen reader that allows that, but we can't remote into your radio. So if you've got a if you've got an issue with your radio, we can't help that. Uh, Sam, maybe you could write that program where you can remote. No, that I don't think that. But that, yes, uh, that's very important. I mean, Russ and I had talked about that, uh, making sure WSJTX was working uh, before you even attempted the Q log. And and, and guys, <clears throat> this sometimes WSJTX is not for the faint of heart. Because there's Windows issues that comes up, and I've run into that many, many times. A Windows update will change uh, your sound card settings, and then that can be, you wouldn't realize, it. why can't I make a contact? Well, the radio is actually not getting what it needs from the sound card, or the sound card's not getting what it needs from the radio, and it's just, it's, just, uh, it's a ongoing struggle to make sure those things are all with the way they should be. Uh, Sam, uh, back to you for a second. Uh, you have done a phenomenal job of connecting WSJTX to, to uh, Q-Log, but that wasn't the way you started. You just started it off as uh, just a login program for yourself. And uh, you were contacted by, well, I guess you said Rich, uh, or was it John? One of the two connect uh, contacted you was asking about making it accessible. What kind of challenges do you run into trying to make QLog accessible? Well, QLog, the, the QLog was already working with WSJTX. It was already working for me without a problem whatsoever. I had no problems at all. I'd also put in a lot of uh, text-to-speech functionality within QLog just as a point of, uh, you know, uh, as a software developer, I was experimenting with it. Uh, I was experimenting with a lot of different things. And uh, so because I already had uh, text-to-speech functionality that allowed me to uh, uh, track my radio and tell, and if I wanted to not to, to look at the radio, if I wanted not to look at anything, uh, I can turn on a switch and it'll, it'll tell me what frequency I was on the radio. It'll tell me what band I was on the radio. It'll tell me what uh, power was on the radio. If you change anything, the computer will tell me what changed. As an experiment, I did that, and I found out that I don't want to listen to it anymore. So <laughs> I was, you can shut it off. Uh, so I had that functionality or in there. So now the only thing I had to do uh, is actually figure, figure out exactly how I can uh, turn that and let the, uh, the user know what WSJTX is actually sending to me. So I, I already had passed out all the uh, UDP messages in WSJTX. As a matter of fact, I gave my code to Eric, to Rick Ellison, who was working for N1MM, so he can port it in for N1MM. I gave him my source code for passing the, uh, uh, the UDP messages. So the first, tackle, the first thing that I did is I had to actually put into my code for at least the first thing that we did was to allow them to reply to uh, third-party CQs so they can reply to messages without them having to worry about clicking on a line and, and doing it. The program already had filters built in, so they all had to do was select various different filters and say, okay, if it passes those filters, reply to the first station that passes that filter. Not a robot, because every time you did a QSO after it finished, you actually had to reset it. So it was not a robot. And in conversations or emails with the development team in WSATX, they agreed that this actually fits their definition of not a robot, which was fine. Because you have to interact with, uh, with the, uh, the QSO 
at one time to get it started. Right. So, so the first thing that we did was actually say, okay, let's do a re- re- the reply. Cause for me, well, was, that was the easiest thing to do. So as it replied, it actually told them who the call station is, put the, what was the call sign uh, phonetically, uh, what country it was in, what was the signal to noise ratio, what grid it was in. And then it kept track of the sequence of transmissions as things go, went back and forth. And when it finished, it actually logged the, uh, the QSO to the local log. And if they had, uh, if they had club log, EQSL, or uh, QRZ, it actually logged it to those three in real time. Now, oh, go I, ahead. Go ahead. What I had to do is because the normal process in, in uh, WSJTX is that you have to click the OK button on, the, on a log screen. That was the only way that initially that was the log, the actual uh, log record came into uh, Q, Q-log. I actually had to bypass that. I had to actually track and say, okay, this is the time I can actually log it. That was the big trick that I had to, to play around. And the other part that I had to do was to make sure that even if I logged it, if I had a request to resend something, I was able to, to reset it and send it back, send another, another transmission automatically because in a normal mode, the uh, enable TX was disabled. So there was, there was a whole bunch of stuff, a lot of heuristics that I had to play games with and uh, put that in, into the code itself. Well, what is remarkable to me as you said, the filters make the choice. There is no way that a blind person can click on a line fast enough or pick out uh, DX calls or whatever you're looking for by using just using WSJTX. And that was the thing. As soon as I got Q-Log set up and saw what it was doing as far as selecting the uh, calls that were coming across on the call activity screen, I, that just, I was sold right there. Uh, this is it, because uh, there's no way I could duplicate this. I could I could get WSJTX to answer calls, and I could see who was, call, or, you know, what station was, uh, what the call progress was, but it was so cumbersome. And uh, it, when I started running uh, Keylog, I, I never looked back. I thought, oh, this is just... However, he's <laughs> whatever he, magic is being played with the with the program. This guy has done it, and uh, so my hats off to you there, uh, Sam. That was um, that's what sold me on it. Appreciate that. Thank you for the compliment. The there's so much information that's on that line when a guy calls uh, CQ. The time and the uh, the diff time difference between your between you and and his station and then uh, the, the signal report, it's it, by the time Jaws would read all of that information, the fifteen second cycles usually over with. So there, that, like Russ said, there would be no way to make you know to do what QLog does uh, using Jaws or NVDA. And and John found that out, I think, pretty quick, didn't you, John? Yeah, it was, you know, it, I, now I, I will say that one of, the, one of the things we have to remind people is that although QLog is a self-voicing program, that doesn't necessarily mean that you can turn your screen reader of choice off uh, because as um, has been said here, there are occasional glitches in WSJTX and obviously occasionally in QLog because no, we all know, Sam especially, no software is perfect. So sometimes you need uh, to know what your screen reader is, um, is telling you um, so that you know if something's happened that you, um, you need to pay attention to. We have um, figured out at least two ways of making that less verbose. Um, their JAWS has a feature called Speech on Demand, um, which um, you, can, you can enable, um, and it will only speak to you. It, it's like the old thing, speak to me only when I, when I ask, you know. Um, and when you ask, interrogate the 
the keyboard with a JAWS command, um, it will speak to you, but it won't speak when focus changes and, and things like that. So you're not getting lots of unnecessary information in your ear. Uh, the other thing that that points out is for QLog and all this stuff to work effectively, you definitely need another sound card in your in your system. Now, for those folks who have radios with built-in sound cards, they've already they've already got that because QLog and WSJTX, well, WSJTX, let's say that goes through the radio sound card, much like on uh, uh, a TS590, not yet, 590, uh, any radio that has a built-in sound card. Um, for my TS480, I have an external sound card for the, for the WSJTX in, in terms of a signal link, and then I have a little Sound Blaster Play USB device that I put on and that gives me the Q-Log voice. So I got things in uh, one speaker voicing one thing, and then if I need something from JAWS, JAWS comes out the normal Windows sound card. And so that takes a little bit of um, fiddling, you know, understanding why you, why you want that and need that, to, um, need that to happen. Once you get it going, it's, you know, it's fine. Uh, but yeah, there's, there's definitely, uh, lots of, you know, lots of, lots of stuff there, uh, in, in that the, the call, the call screen, uh, now it's available so that you can look at the last 10 entries that WSJTX encoded, uh, within QLog. You can pick one of those, um, check it as it were with the space bar. Um, and then press a keystroke, which happens to be F8, and QLog will uh, WS will tell WSJTX to. Uh, I think that Sam can correct me if I got that sequence wrong, but uh, to respond to a CQ by that station. So you can again, it's kind of a uh, a different you know filter. Um, in that you you can so if you see a call sign you want um, something you want to work um, you can you can do it that way and you can actually have you can select more than more than one and it'll just you just keep hitting F8 when the contact is complete and you've uh, you can complete those two or three calls assuming that the person has has not has not left the band in the in that time frame. Yeah, and you mentioned the signal link and and your uh, uh, your sound blaster. Now, Windows uh, will let you take a particular program, whether it be WSJTX or or uh, QLog or or anything, and assign the sound card settings for that particular for that particular program. And uh, like I have. My, you know, NVDA is assigned to my internal uh, sound card, and my uh, WSJTX <clears throat> is actually assigned to my USB 2 audio codec, which is is my internal sound card of my TS 590SG, or you know, it could be the USB audio codec for a signal link. And and that's uh, that's good that Windows will let you separate things. Like like you, John said, you, he's got sounds coming three different ways, and uh, and that you need that sometimes to be able to to do all that you need to do. Well, it's kind of it's kind of interesting because the <clears throat> some of the sighted individuals who are who are helping folks get accustomed to this have a real hard time with all the all the stuff that we hear and sort of ignore. Um, it, because because we know um, we know what we're supposed to what we're supposed to hear and what we're not supposed to hear, and I I suppose it's much like um, riding around in a <clears throat> in a police patrol car and hearing all the other calls on the frequency and suddenly hearing hearing your unit number and being able to 
you know, parse that out and say, oh, I really have to pay attention to that. Yes, yes, it's 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 uh, like I said, it's not for the faint of heart, but it is wonderful. And then, uh, as a new ham, I've only been a ham for less than five years. And uh, WSJ, I never had a good sunspot cycle. So you guys, all oh of boy, you guys have you're been in for a treat. That's what I'm looking forward to. I, I listened to Doctor Tamitha Scove this week, and she said we got two sunspots on the sun coming around. And uh, oh, I said, oh man, I'd love to have a good have a good sunspot cycle where I can actually work uh, some contacts on uh, sideband and uh, not have to depend on FTA because that's the only way I can make DX right now, you know, being the low spot, low part of the sunspot cycle. So I think, I think it will be interesting, um, Russ. And I think Sam has, has said this before to see whether, when the sunspot cycle increases whether WSJTX unfortunately you know decreases in popularity because people can go back to other um, other modes uh, the other thing that I think has caused has caused WSJTX to be popular is that for people in restricted antenna situations you can often make contacts on a weak uh, on a weak signal with, you know, attic antennas or flagpole antennas or, uh, or what, you know, whatever you can put up and relatively low, um, low power. So it will be interesting to see as the cycle increases, whether, whether we see uh, what we think, which is more people returning to um, sideband and, um, and even CW. I don't yeah, think I, it's going to drop off. I'll, go ahead, Russ. Well, I was going to, to John's point there. Yeah, um, I've I've got a little shorty forty that uh, I had used before, uh, somewhat unsuccessfully. I brought it up onto the second floor. And, oh, I was in the attic, but I, I've got it now on the first floor. I'm sorry, and uh, I'd like to experiment with that just to see, uh, you know, how well that works as an indoor antenna. But uh, to your point, um, I, uh, last week I think. Joel and I set up a contact, and we were not on 14.074. We were up a little bit, and I swear I could not hear anything. I went over back to my screen, and sure enough, it had decoded the contact. So, uh, you know, I, that just uh, impressed me to no end. But uh, I, I tell people it's the only mode I use in ham radio that I turn the volume down on my radio. I <laughs> yeah, 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 I can because I don't want to hear the. Yeah. the the howl. I sound just, like an old fax machine. <laughs> yeah. That's a but, yeah. but back to uh, you were talking about your setup. I think we're, we're very similar. I use a signal link and uh, uh, for the uh, WSJTX portion of it. But I do use the internal sound card for JAWS, and I use the, uh, the silence JAWS feature, uh, which works just fine. And I, I tell you, the... Um, the default voice for Q-Log, which is one of the Microsoft voices, uh, Sam has put in the ability to tweak that voice with the um, the, um, the pitch and the the speed. You can I've got it tweaked now, so that it's it's very I mean it's as good as eloquence. Um, so you know you you really um, you know once you're in Q-Log. Uh, as you said, you may have to jump back and forth between your screen reader, but it's kind of rare. Uh, it it really sounds good, and uh, that's a, a a very nice touch to the program. I just want to ask. Uh, we usually ask a little bit about your station and what kind of equipment you have, uh, John. If you give us a give us a little description of what equipment you're using, what radio antenna, other other things you may be using, it, and then pass it over to Sam and let him do the same. If you guys don't mind, sure. Um, at, currently, I have a TS four eighty. That's a uh, for those who aren't familiar with it. It's a Kenwood. <clears throat> it's an HF and six meter uh, tra- uh, transceiver. Uh, this one has a history of. Uh, being modified for some Mars activity that I used to do. So uh, very technically, it goes where no man should go. Um, 
and I try not to put it there. Um, I have a loop antenna, horizontal loop around my back fence, um, and and a tower and a and a dipole. Um, the ladder, the loop is fed with ladder line into a bell, and the dipole, of course, is coax. Um, I do have a 10, 15 meter, and 20 meter beam. I think that's got a little uh, issue, and I've been hesitant to get guys to come and look at it because I know it's going to be a, you know, a fairly large uh, project even to go take a look unless it's something very obvious that they can see. Um, but since I use the uh, the loop and the dipole more these days, it seems like that's that's not an issue. And I have a Kenwood uh, THD seventy one for uh, VHF UHF, and of course the ever present uh, THD seventy four for um, for D Star. And no, I don't have a DMR radio yet. Uh, even though, even <laughs> don't really I, need one now. <laughs> we have the bridge. <laughs> we have the bridge. You can just jump on the bridge. Yeah, almost don't need one. Um, but uh, that's um, that's the station. When I do CW, I usually do it with a either a, um, a Cootie key from Steve W1SFR um, or a big alley paddle. Um, and, you know, I was just thinking that years ago, the computer I have is a, is a relatively inexpected in, inexpensive Lenovo, Lenovo Staples special for about 300 bucks. And I, I was thinking, you know, we used to say, why would you ever want a piece of computer equipment in your shack? And now it seems like you, um, you can't get a you can't get away without them. So, uh, Sam, it's all yours. Okay, I'll, I'll try to keep it short. Uh, my current uh, system is basically all, but well, outside of the amplifier uh, is a TS five ninety S. I have an MFJ uh, ten twenty five uh, noise canceling signal enhancer. I have an SDR play two, and my amplifier is a uh, Acom twelve hundred S. And then my antenna is a vertical, 43-foot vertical. And the tuner is an automatic tuner from ACOM 04A. That is the extent of the uh, uh, HF and 6-meter uh, uh, equipment. For local communications, I'm using an 8900R, uh, Yesu FT8900R. Portable operations is basically an FT817. Uh, and uh, home-brewed uh, vertical and actually, no, it's not homebrewed. The vertical is a 17-foot MFJ vertical collapsing uh, whip and a homebrewed uh, coil that I built myself. Uh, that's about it. That's, all, that, that's basically all the equipment that I have. The sound card is basically the uh, PC sound card and the TS590S. It's connected with a uh, USB cable to a serial, serial port to USB cable, and that's it. Uh, very, very simple I consider it simple. Other people may consider it not so simple, but then everything is relative. Uh, That's right. I use the 590 SG, and I always wondered what the difference between the SG and the S are, uh, and I've, I couldn't tell you. Do you have you uh, run across the differences between the two radios? And the SG obviously is a, a later model of the S. I'm, I have no idea if they improved anything inside the actual uh, – uh, receiver or transmitter. They did give you a lot more options uh, on it. Uh, a few more options on it. Some of the menus have changed, but it's basically the same unit with some improvements. Uh, you have a, a CW reader built in into the radio. That's one thing that I don't have. Uh, you can see both VFOs at the same time, I believe, on the SG. Uh, you also have something on the, on the DRV out. You can actually t take that and make that RF out to to an SDR radio, to an SDR uh, like the RSP play. Uh, I don't do that. I actually have uh, an MFJ uh, 17, is it 17, 18, uh, which actually allows me to use the SDR uh, RSP play as, as a pan adapter. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I was wondering about that receive antenna port. Uh because I always thought it, maybe when I transmitted, I might blow up one of those little uh, SDR plays or something. But I guess it's designed to do that, to send out to, to an external uh, SDR. I'm, I'm thinking about trying to do that. Now, here's the question of the day. Do you 
use your amplifier on FT8. I know, I know it's it's been a misnomer that it's it's a low power mode, but it's not. Like you said earlier, it's a low signal mode. Uh, but a lot of people I'm finding are running amplifiers. And do you use your amp much? Yes, I do. I use it all the time. Uh, and the reason why I do that is I run my radio about five to ten watts most. And then the, the amplifier does the rest. At five watts, I'm usually putting out about 200 watts uh, on the, uh, with the amplifier. It's a very, very uh, high-gain amplifier, close to 15 uh, dB gain. And yes. so the radio is now not being stressed. Uh, people don't realize that the digital mode on, on any radio will stress it out uh, it, it, because you're running it almost 50, 50% uh, utility. So you are stressing it. So the, the less stress you can put on the radio, the longer life on the radio. And the amplifier, which is rated at 1,000 watts, running at 200 watts, is loafing along. Yes, yes. That, that, that's, that's also a bulletproof amplifier, isn't it? It's, say it's, pretty, it's, it's pretty much bulletproof. I got this amplifier. I originally had the uh, AS, the uh, 600S, and I upgraded to the 1200 only because I wanted a little bit more headroom. And by headroom, I mean that if I have to run 500 watts uh, on phone or, or, what, or digital or whatever to get out, at 500 watts, that means I'm at about 80% capacity or 80% utilization of a 600-watt amplifier. At 500 watts, I'm less than about 50% on the 1,200. So that gives me a little bit more headroom to run on. It, it, it stresses the amplifier lens. It's not so much that I, need, I want to run 1,500 watts. It's just the fact that I have a little more headroom to run if I do have to run a little bit high power. And you'd be surprised that sometimes when I have to run it up to about 400 watts, I get signals of minus 12 or minus 20. So that just goes to show you that it's not so much the power that you're running, it's how well the propagation is working out at the other side or, or the receiving station or that, that's coming back to me. Yeah, exactly. I was uh, trying to uh, make a QSO with China and Singapore and a few other uh, countries a couple of days ago. And I was decoding them at zero or minus two or minus one. I thought, these guys have got to be pushing 1,000, 1,500 watts. And it may not be. It may just been the propagation. But I was sending 65, 75 watts. I even bumped it up to 100 just for two cycles just to see if I could get to QSO. And, no, those guys wouldn't coming back to me. So, I, you know, I've always thought about getting an amp and maybe running two to 300 watts and see if that would help. Yeah, one of the things you one of the things you realize um, is that you a lot of the DX stations you can tell or at least you can guess when you know that you've got a pretty good signal, but they're not coming you know not coming back to you, they're not coming back to you. They've got a good signal to you. You you got to figure that maybe either a it's a pileup or B they have a very high noise uh, floor. And I, I think that's one of the things you, you realize. And I'm kind of the other way. I don't have an amplifier. So I keep the, um, the radio at somewhere around 40 or 45 Watts. And, you know, if I can't make it, if I can't make it there for, for FT8, I, you know, I just say, well, we'll call it a, we'll call it a day. And that's the way it is. <laughs> Uh, one comment I like to make that, that people should realize: when you are getting a signal, when you are when you are receiving a signal of what they're telling you, what they're receiving you at, versus what you're receiving there at, you could be receiving at a minus two, and they can be receiving, or you, as you say, you could be receiving at zero. Or you could be receiving at a plus ten. If you have a noise level of zero, anything that's coming to you is going to be a plus number. It's the signal to noise ratio is based upon your noise that you are getting, uh, not necessarily the power that they're sending. And that's what people don't understand. Uh, and one of my programs that I gave to the, uh, to the group uh, that allows them to read the all.txt all file, uh, it's called an all text. Uh, actually, the program is called all text. And it, it allows them to, to, uh, to, to access the all.txt file, no matter how big it is. I actually wrote a uh, component in there 
that allows them to analyze the signal-to-noise ratio of the same stations. So if you have more than 15 decodes of the same stations in the same day, uh, it will actually tell you what the variance of that signal report is. Wow. And you can take a look at it, and you can see that within one standard deviation, quite a few of them move around, where you start out at one level, and all of a sudden it's one standard deviation to two standard deviations away. Wow. Yeah, you can you can really see that if, if sometimes if you're you've got a long cycle where somebody isn't the QSO is not being finished and your station keeps sending out a different SNR report, you know propagation has changed or something has changed. Yeah, I've noticed that, and and, uh, and the antenna makes a lot of uh, they may be running a beam uh, and beaming at high, you know the the signal to me, but you know, like you said, they may have a lot of noise. They may be downtown uh, Beijing or somewhere, and, and those towns are probably covered in noise, sort of like New York may be. That's, that's true. The, um, I don't know how much time you have, we have left, but um, do we want to talk about how new users can get um, yes, that was in the touch next. with Q-Log and all that? Yes, I was. Uh, that's a good question. Uh, do you have the program hosted somewhere where I can put a link on uh, CQ Blind or BlindHams.com? Where uh, already, or do you want to? Uh, how would you like it to be made available uh, for for anybody to get a hold of the software? Well, at this point, it's uh, the files are hosted on the QLog Users Group at QLog at Groups.io. So potential people can, interested people can send um, a message to uh, QLog users, Q-L-O-G-U-S-E-R-S, plus, as in plus sign, subscribe at groups.io, and you will get back the usual um, message to go ahead and, um, and reply. Um, and once somebody does that, um, I get a I get a notice as the group owner um, that we have a new subscriber. We do ask that people put their call sign in uh, because not everybody has their call sign in an email address. Right. Um, so we ask that they they put that in so that we're we're trying to we're trying to make sure that it goes to legitimate hams. And I believe Rich K1HTV um, diligently checks uh, to make sure that the call sign that people put in is a legitimate one. Um, so that um, that's good. Once you've been approved for um, for you know posting to the group, uh, you can go to groups.io and just as you would for getting those people who are on the blind hams list, um, there are files on that portion of the group's IO site, you can go to the files area of the, the um, QLog users group and find uh, not only the QLog.exe file, uh, which is the executable file, but definitely the setup files, uh, the documentation files, I should say, for uh, for QLog, and generally there are two of them. There's a setup file for a help file for sighted users, and then there's the QLog users manual, and they're usually um, named by the current version. And we we try to take the older version files out of the out of the list and move them somewhere. We're not always as good at that, so make sure that you you. Have the the latest version. Um, that and that's um, that's it. What I would uh, what would be helpful, however, Joel, is the two files that I that I sent you, which are a demo of the process of responding to a to a um, a decoded contact, a decoded CQ using QLog, and a calling CQ uh, with QLog, which is. Uh, one of the other features that um, big features that it took Sam, uh, I'm sure, a lot of sweat and tears to uh, <laughs> to incorporate. Uh, 
I know, I know it took a while. Um, those two, if you could host them on, you know, the, or put a link to them on the blind hams or blind hams website, that would be great. I can modify those files if you want to give a little more information on QLog. We tried to keep the time that, you know, I tried to keep the time, the file length and time down because I wasn't sure where they were going to go. Um, well, I, I could do it. a separate podcast like I did, uh, you know, if, yep, if you've been you listening, if you've been listening to it, you know about the open GD 77 yep. project and I put Ian's demos up uh, as a separate podcast. Then sure. Sure. We can, and if you would like that. to do That's, a tag or intro, yeah, we mm-hmm. could do that. Those, those files would be, you know, they would be, they would be fine. The only caveat is if I I obviously took out the silence between um, some of the silence between the uh, the cycles um, because just to make the files shorter. So you're not seeing an an accurate representation of the time cycle of a of a QSO. Uh, but that's fifteen really seconds irrelevant. back and forth. Yeah, yeah, it's really yeah. Irrelevant. That that'd be great. You could if you work on that and make a. You know, and make a, a little bit more explanation to uh, how it's working and things like sure. that. I might be definitely do it. We love uh, to do audio it. Uh, insert help because <laughs> because well, I'm not uh, an audio editor. Uh, yeah, Angelo is our editor. I uh, right, and Russ, they're editors. He's in trouble because I might be talking to Russ. Joel, may <laughs> yes. I, may I make one comment over here? I sure. did put a full video. With audio, yes, okay, YouTube. So how I have, exactly, it works. Yeah, so that, oh, that's that, a good. Point. That was great. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know if you I'll, have that. I don't know if you have that link, but I will send you that link to the YouTube. You can listen to it. Uh, I, my voice is not on it. You will yes. only hear the computer voice on it. Yes, that, that's great. Yeah, well, I'll put a put a link to that in the show notes and uh, on the uh, on the blindhams.com. That'd be great. Yep, that's awesome. Yeah, I remember when you did that. I thought that's pretty cool. <laughs> well, guys, or uh, Russ, do you have anything else? Uh, any questions? No, I think we covered everything very well. I sure appreciate you guys joining us today, and uh, I've been wanting to do this for quite a while ever since I uh, started the uh, roundtable, and because uh, this is a very interesting subject to to many. Uh, blind and visually impaired hams that love uh, HF, and, and this would be another uh, way to fill up the logbook, and that's what I, I use it for. I love FD8 because I'm not a rag chewer on F, on uh, HF, but I do like to get D, Chase DX, and this is awesome. So I appreciate it, and uh, John and Sam, uh, if you ever have an update or you would like to come back, just let us know. And uh, we look forward to it. So thanks, everybody, for for listening to uh, CQ Blind Hams Roundtable. Uh, thanks for having us. Thank you very much for having me, and it was a pleasure talking to you guys. Uh, great. We enjoyed it. <laughs>